gave you in the, uh, is, uh, in the bulletin is basically a, a threefold summation of uh, what I see as the highlights uh, in this teaching on the doctrine of uh, free will. Um, but uh, as I uh, say, uh, I suggest to us that the doctrine of free will is the gate to our understanding of salvation. Um, it is uh, very clear to me that my brothers and sisters uh, who are in the Armenian camp who place their trust in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation, who believe that they are not saved by their good works, um, that they are technically also not saved by their choosing to believe in Jesus, uh, but that they have an understanding of things that leads them to be on the other side of the spectrum versus our own. Uh, I very much believe that we are going to have uh, many of us in heaven uh, who will uh, you know, worship the Lord with us uh, when on earth uh, we had different theological understandings of the doctrine of soteriology or salvation. Um, with that said, I also don't want to minimize uh, the importance of theology and doctrine and so as to say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. We believe this and they believe that. Um, you know, it should be every Christian's desire to say, now what, with the Bereans, right, what does the Word of God say? Uh, and I think that the Reformed perspective is the correct one. Uh, and that's why I chose the passages I did, because they are uh, teaching us that um, uh, free will doctrine, when it comes to salvation, uh, is just not biblical, uh, because it leads to uh, not only uh, a false understanding of your salvation, but also your call to sanctification um, and uh, the frustrations that come with that when you think about free will uh, theology versus sovereign grace theology, uh, when we all know that in the Christian life we struggle and we uh, fall and we mess up. And uh, think of David, for example. Um, uh, and you can just think about your own life as well, I'm sure. Uh, that, you know, Lord, am I a Christian or not? You know, am I really a Christian? Because, you know, I see all this uh, deficit. I see all this lack of sanctification. Um, uh, it is so important to get things right because I do think this is the gateway. The proper understanding of the free will doctrine is the gateway to having a biblical, um, uh, blessed, comforted understanding of who you are uh, in your relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So um, this, of course, is a doctrine um, that has its own historical context, right? We're talking about uh, the divines at the Westminster Assembly. So we're talking about the uh, uh, first half of the uh, 17th century, the 1600s. Um, and um, uh, it is already a time of change in Europe, in the, in the Protestant church. Um, uh, the, 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 the glimmerings of the Enlightenment already, you know, beginning to shine and uh, take on that sort of man-centered approach to religion. Um, and uh, so the idea of free will um, uh, is very appealing to um, uh, any person because uh, we, by our natures, tend to think that uh, we are in charge of things. Yeah, we are in charge of being here today. We're in charge of uh, dressing today like we did versus another option we might have had, and we chose freely to do those things. Um, and uh, it's uh, maybe a small jump to then also talk about religion and faith and say, yeah, uh, I want to uh, 
you know, uh, live a moral life. And so I decide and I choose to, you know, go to church or live according to the Ten Commandments. Um, it is at that point that the doctrine of the free will needs to be looked at because it is one thing to say that you decide freely without coercion that you are, you know, doing this or that uh, today or tomorrow. But it's not the same way on the spiritual level uh, because at that point we are dealing with the heart, the human heart. Um, and uh, what does the Bible say about that? Um, and so what, what is the effect of our um, alliance with Adam? Um, our relationship uh, with Adam is the relationship of the entire human race in a state of fallen condition. Um, and so um, was that always so? No. Uh, God made man with a free will that was a free will for all aspects of his being. Um, so when we look at the first paragraph, we see that God has endowed the will of man with a natural liberty that is neither forced nor by any absolute necessity of nature determined to good or evil. Um, so it, 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 man in his uh, in a state of innocence, as we say sometimes, before the fall, is just completely free from any outside uh, uh, impulses, like maybe uh, writing on the wall that says, obey God or don't do this. Man is created to be completely able um, to, to will God's will. So there's no compunction. There's no, again, uh, the law says. So in that state of innocence, Adam and Eve were created in that state of original righteousness. And in that state, they, um, they lived righteously. Um, they lived up to the purpose that God had with them. Um, I suppose you could say they didn't have to set aside a certain moment or day in the week where they said, and now we're going to church, <laughs> because they were always in church. Uh, when they lived in paradise, they lived in the fellowship and presence of God, and they walked with God, apparently, at the cool of the day. Um, so that is an entirely different uh, state of being um, that we just cannot relate to anymore. Because when Adam fell, we fell in Adam away from that condition of being perfectly able to freely choose to worship God and not to. That potential that God created for Adam and Eve to sin was not a reflection of God's uh, imperfection in creating them. It's, to the best of my ability to explain it, it is a way of God showing us that he created us so that we would worship him freely. Um, and so that's what Adam and Eve did until they fell. And so that condition changes dramatically because in the second paragraph it says, man in his state of innocency had freedom and power to will and to do that which was good and pleasing to God yet mutably, so that he might fall from it. So that condition is, is as it were, created 
embedded in the state of innocence that Adam and Eve were given when God first created them. There was the potential for that relationship with God to change because God wants them to worship him freely of their will. Um, and uh, the second paragraph, of course, tells us that uh, we lost that freedom, uh, the freedom to choose without coercion that which is pleasing to God. It says, man by his fall into state of sin has wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. So we're talking about the narrow scope, narrow focus of salvation here. Being that we are in a state of sin, being in need of salvation, we are um, human beings still who have a free will, but it is a free will that is no longer um, free to do that which is pleasing to God. And that is the bondage of the will that Luther talks about, uh, that uh, his, uh, his uh, contemporaries um, disagreed with, with Luther about, both inside the Catholic Church as well as among uh, er the humanists like Erasmus of Rotterdam. Um, they could not accept the biblical doctrine of man being in his fallen condition um, uh, having lost the ability to uh, choose good, namely that good which is pleasing to God. And so if we are called to do good to please God, it has this sense of justice to it. Um, um, and, uh, and that's why Luther, when he teaches the doctrine of justification by faith, um, he builds on the Pauline teaching especially that teaches this whole matter that we once were righteous before God. Um, we were able to give the just and loving God all of our hearts and praises uh, freely, that that is compromised due to our fallenness in sin. And therefore we are, as Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 1, we are dead in sin and trespasses. Uh, and uh, that is different than saying that we're merely sick as it were. We're just impaired and we need uh, kind of repair. No, we need transformation. We need a new heart, right? Uh, the language of, of the Gospels of, and of the language of Christ. Uh, we need a heart transplant. Uh, we need a new heart. Uh, that, that difference of opinion that I tried to describe for you, um, that continues to this very day. Uh, right now I'm uh, looking at uh, 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 writings and teachings of, of uh, Charles Finney. Um, and so there you see uh, you know, a totally different perspective on the doctrine of sin. Um, you know, uh, sin is a choice uh, and sin is not a depravity uh, that uh, we all have uh, as a condition, uh, but it's always a choice. You know, uh, we are f uh, moral free agents, he says. And so at each point uh, it is up to us to decide uh, whether we go this way or that way. Um, anyway, so that's, uh, you know, we have lost that freedom to will what God wills for us. And instead, because of the depravity of the heart, we actually go the opposite direction um, if, if left to ourselves. Um, then, um, yeah, I basically have uh, not too much more to say, um, but that is that um, when we are regenerate in Christ, um, that means that God converts us, he turns us around, and he translates us 
it says here, from a state uh, of sin into a state of grace. He frees uh, us from his natural, our natural bondage under sin um, and by his grace alone enables us freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. Um, so that is the, the great plus. Now the plus sign here is that we have in God's eyes been changed from a status, a condition of being uh, God's enemies to become God's friends. But we should not uh, lose sight of the fact that when the Holy Spirit <coughs> changes our hearts so that our hearts desire God rather than hate him, that we somehow then lose our sinful nature. Um, the Holy Spirit, of course, transforms our morality, but we acknowledge the fact that we need the Holy Spirit to do that work of sanctification because we still have sinful natures. And unless the Holy Spirit graciously um, you know, uh, directs us and teaches us and, 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 and causes our minds and our affections to become obedient to him, uh, left to ourselves, we would wander off. Um, isn't that why we have the Psalms? You know, where the psalmists often express the fact that, um, that while they know that they are God's favorite, they also know that there are times that they have messed up and they need to confess and repent because that is our propensity. Um, but from God's perspective, judicially, we are his. We are his adopted, even sons and daughters. Um, but um, um, the uh, remaining corruption, it says, um, we, 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 we continue to um, please God, uh, not by the force of the law, which would be coercive, but we do it because of the new covenant reality that the Holy Spirit, having written the law on our hearts, we please God out of a free will. You know, that, will that, that, bond, that will in bondage is being freed by the Holy Spirit and the grace that gives us a new heart and a new desire to live for him rather than for the world or ourselves. But we struggle with that, right? We know that. We know that from our own experience, and we know that from Paul's letter to the Romans. Um, I believe, I may not be in agreement with uh, all of you about that, um, but I believe that chapter 7 is from the perspective of a Christian, a Christian who simply acknowledges the fact that sin plays a role in our lives, and we struggle with that. Um, but uh, my professor um, Johnson, a uh, New Testament scholar at Westminster, uh, he took the perspective that it is an expression of Paul before his conversion. So uh, there are different views on that. Um, but my understanding is that we will struggle with sin all of our lives, um, and it is the very reason why we need the means of grace to continuously uh, lead us and guide us to stay on the narrow path um, until we reach uh, glory. And that is being expressed, I think, in the last paragraph. The will of man is made perfect and immutably free for to, good to good alone in the state of glory alone. So we are in a state of grace, um, but it is a, um, it is a immutable, you might say, um, you know, th there's still that possibility of us going against God's will. 
there comes a day in heaven, in glory, where our will that is free and free in perfection cannot be changed and reversed so that we, as it were, would go back to sin and a life of sin uh, as we are now oftentimes tempted to uh, possibly. So that's, uh, those are the comments I have for today. M Mary, you have a question. Yep. And 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 so so you are saved because of God's grace, God's peace, God's forgiveness, God's compassion towards people who are saved. Well, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot, right? So uh, I'm not going to say more than the Bible tells us. Um, that's probably good, sound uh, advice. <laughs> um, but I have to assume that uh, the, the the creatures God made. That um, you know that they have a complete uh, in the spirit passion for the glory of God, um, and that is the blessing at the same time that, uh, that that they enjoy continuously as we sit here and speak um, for all eternity. Those who fell with Satan, um, they um, they lost that ability uh, to uh, freely uh, worship God and at the point of their rebellion, lost that forever. And that is the difference with humanity, that we are also, of course, under the bondage of sin, the curse of sin, but God came back to us and said, where are you? He isn't doing that with Satan. He's doing, he isn't doing that with the angels that fell, the demons. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, we struggle to have the right words to, to find about this. Yeah. But yeah, it is a limited freedom. We, what, what makes you a human being is that you have a free will, <laughs> right? Th that, that makes us unique. Uh, a monkey doesn't have that. Uh, a cow doesn't have that. But humans are unique in that God created us with a free will. That makes us unique. Uh, we are in a sense, free moral agents. But the fall compromises that freedom and binds that freedom to the point where the heart is so corrupt that even if you think that you are being pretty good, it's a confirmation that you're so <laughs> messed up because you think that you are not so bad as you really are. Um, I have to say at the same time, when we talk about the doctrine of total depravity, um, R.C. Sproul, for example, will, will mention it too, that uh, a better way to phrase that is radical depravity. It is to say that we are not as bad as we possibly could be as, as free moral agents in this world today uh, because we are bound by sin, but God in his common grace doesn't let all, all of us become Hitlers. 
um, to put it in kind of a dramatic way. Um, so does that help? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He hated everything that is in that book that we are Joel, looking at. For those of you that don't, aren't familiar with Charles Dewey, he was kind of the Joel Osteen of the 1800s. Yeah. And uh, R.C. Sproul once asked in an interview if, if Charles Finney was a heretic. Mm. Oh. And his response, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, was, oh, no, he wasn't a heretic. Charles Finney was a heresiarch. A heresiarch. A heresiarch. Okay. Which is like the king of the heresy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, we, uh, uh, I remember John Frame uh, at Westminster, and not all of us are followers of John Frame, I'm sure, but I really appreciated John Frame. Uh, and he always made sure that we, in our efforts to be um, – uh, scriptural and accurate that we would look at our opponents as generously as possible Absolutely. within the scriptural bounds. Um, so when I'm reading on uh, uh, John, uh, Charles Finney right now, I just started. Um, I uh, just get all you know, frustrated with him you know, because it's, uh, sin is not a condition, it's a choice, uh, for example. And... Uh, but it also makes clear that in his experience of having been converted from a life of, he wasn't raised in a Christian home. Um, and so he was converted by uh, just hearing pastors. Um, and uh, long story short, uh, I know where he is wrong, writes in a devotional way to say that he knows that his life is completely in God's hands. That he, that, he, that he leans on the Holy Spirit, for example. Um, so I'm not going to say that he is in hell. I, re I would refuse to say that. But I would say, brother, uh, you have really thrown the baby out with the bath water when you rejected uh, the Reformed faith that uh, you once actually supposedly believed because he was a minister um, in the Presbyterian Church and later changed to the Congregational Church, but in those days there was not too much difference anyway. But, uh, so he rejected all that, and, uh, and, and we are living today with the ramifications and the, and the, and the troubles that he created. <laughs> Major, for till this day. Yeah. One more quick comment about yeah. uh, a contemporary theologian uh, commenting on Finney. John MacArthur said that Finney at the end of his life said, I have created a whole generation of past yeah. converts. Yes. And so, you know, yeah. that would indicate that yeah. maybe he made it. This barrier, oh, yeah, 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 And I'm not, yeah. you know, yeah. defending him necessarily. It's yeah. his error, but yeah. uh, as a charitable thought yeah. towards him, him writing. Yeah, he was very, he was very uh, frustrated with uh, all those people that you know, were set on the where you are sitting right now, the anxious bench. <laughs> you are ready to give your life to Jesus. I see it. <laughs> Raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't make fun of you. 
So uh, all these thousands of people that made a choice for Jesus, what happened after a while? So many fell away. And um, yeah. so that decisionism is what we Calvinists rightly find very suspicious. Yep. Yes, Tim. So 